0: My name is Sean Nepstead, by the way. My wife and I pastor this great group of people called Fellowship Church. And uh, we've been pastoring this church for 14 years. And two words that God's given us, if you know them, shout them out with me. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow. Healing from your yesterday that's all found in Jesus Christ. And really grateful for all of you coming again on a Super Bowl Sunday. Who's going to win the game? Nope, the Raiders are not in it. Mm -mm. They're not in it. (laughs) <laughs> Neither not, I'm not sure who's going to win it, but I do know that God is pleased you're here today. And we're starting a brand new series called Relation Slips. Relation Slips. It's a play on words because we all have relationships, but how many know you have to work at them because they kind of slip out of place? It's interesting to me that we all have relationships, and yet there's not one class in high school to teach us how to have them properly. Matter of fact, there's never a financial class. And there's never a relationship class in high school. And I want to try to help you today and invest in your relationships. Because we all have them, but many of of us don't have healthy ones. And if you have them, how can we make them stronger? So I want to talk to you today from 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. The Bible says that Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Say Jonathan. Say David. And he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul, who's the king at that time, did not let David return home to his family. Verse 3, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Somebody say covenant. Let's read verse 3 out loud together. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. He loved him as himself. Today in our first message in our series, Relations Slips, I'd like to talk to you about covenant relationships. Covenant relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for a great day today. Thank you for a full house. Thank you, God, for hunger in the room. We want to be more like you, and so, God, I pray that you teach us today. Help us to have healthier relationships. We thank you that as we leave today, no matter what we've come in with, Lord, we leave knowing you are greater and higher than anything we're up against. We love you. In Jesus' name, somebody say good amen. I grew up in Oakland, California. Anybody from Oakland? A couple of us from Oakland. My dad pastored on Penniman, right off 35th Street. And and I grew up kind of on School Street and Fruitvale and had a lot of friends there. And one day, my friend and I were coming back from playing basketball. We played basketball all the time. And we played basketball all day, then come home late. And my friend was on a bike. I'm walking, kind of bouncing the ball, talking about the game. And my friend lived on a street right next door to a little, little group of bikers called the Hell's Angels. I mean, 10-foot f- fences, huge fences, and they had these ferocious Rottweilers that when they barked, they sent a chill down your spine. We'd, I didn't want to walk by the fence because I felt like they were going to eat through the fence. At a, at a, like junior higher, they weigh more than I do. You know what I'm saying? I'm Terrified, petrified. And one day we're walking back, and every once in a while, they would open up their gate and let the Rottweilers loose on us. Not the nicest uh, bicycle gang that I know. (laughs) We love them. We're still praying for them. They would let these these dogs go. And these dogs, one day, honest to God truth, I'm not making this up, the dogs started chasing us. They had two. And I, as a good friend, I ran away from my other friend. (laughs) How many know I didn't need to outrun the Rottweilers? I just needed to outrun him. How many know I'm talking about? (laughs) He took a little longer to start off because he's on a bike. You know, he has to start pedaling a couple times. I just broke. I left, and I'm running down the street. I'm like, I'll see you later. It was nice knowing you. Like, I'm leaping onto a car. The alarm is going off. woo woo And it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, I'm freaking out. This dog is barking, and I can tell he hates me already. He wants white meat. You know, he's just... And I'm looking across the street because I know his, my friend's house is there. His grandma lives there. And I get the dog on this side. And the dog, I felt so sorry for my friend. The dog got a hold of his pant leg and was, and he's trying to kick, kick the dog off. Well, he gets loose and starts bicycling. And I'm over here, and I race. I know I have one shot, one shot to make it to his grandma's house. And I jump off the car, and I start running as fast as I can, As fast as I can, I pound on the door. Grandma, 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 open the door, open the door. She opens the door, I run in, we close the door. She's like, where's my grandson? And I'm like, he's outside. (laughs) He never made it. He was a good friend. That is not the definition of a good covenant relationship. (laughs) Where I sacrifice my friends so I may live. I want to talk to you about covenant relationships today because here's the the deal. At the end of our lives, what matters most is not the ladders you climbed in life. It's not the stuff you acquired. It's not the money in your bank account. None of that is going to matter at the end of your life. All we have at the end of our life are the lives we've changed and the people that we've done that with. At the end of our lives, what matters most is relationships, specifically covenant relationships. God wired us this way for relationships. Matter of fact, we all have acquaintances, don't we? We all know people on a very shallow level. We all have an acquaintance. An acquaintance is somebody you know, but you're not close to. It's like your Uber driver. You jump in the car with an Uber driver. You talk to them. You get to know them a little bit, but you're not asking them to go hang afterwards. How many know what I'm talking about? Let's give it up for all the Uber drivers that make America go round. I'm looking at covenant relationships that goes much deeper than acquaintances or superficial relationships. Covenant relationships are deep commitment relationships where there's a guarantee, there's a bond there, there's even a, it's deeper than a contract. And this, my friend, is what David and Jonathan had. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, we see King Saul. He's ruler over, over the nation, and a prophet came through town and said, David, you're gonna be the next king. Well, King Saul also had a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan is there, and King Saul is now trying to kill David because of envy, because of jealousy. He's trying to kill David, and Jonathan is the one who helps David escape. Even though he knew David would one day be king, and even though Jonathan knew he was the rightful heir to the throne, he still helped him escape because he had covenant. Listen to me. Covenant goes beyond what you think you deserve. To put others first, even when it costs you. I don't think you heard me. Let me try this out over here. Covenant goes beyond what you feel you deserve. It's putting others first, even when it costs you. That's what happened with Jonathan. He put David first. He made a covenant with him. Like, man, I'm making a covenant with you. I love you as myself. And even though you're going to be king one day, and it rightfully is mine, I love you in such a way I'm not going to bark about what is owed to me. I'm going I'm to love you even though it costs me. Now, we live in a world, right, Some few, a few notes down if you're a note taker. We live in a world where so many people are so lonely. So lonely. The, by, loneliness, by definition, is this. It's being sad because one has no friends. This is such a deep-seated emotion. How many know this to be true, that you can have 3,000 friends on Facebook and still feel alone? You, you can be in a crowd and still feel alone. You can be in a church and still feel alone. You can be in a marriage and still feel alone. Because loneliness is not fixed by your proximity to people. It's remedied by covenant relationships. We're wired this way to need this. Not only do people feel lonely, they feel isolated. They feel isolated. This is where you feel far from people, even though they might be around you. You feel isolated. You feel cut off emotionally, cut off physically, geographically, where you feel secluded. This is not a good feeling. You feel lonely. You feel isolated. And then pretty soon that leads you to feel self-focused, self-focused. This is where life is all about you. The focus is me, 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 me. It's all about me. I live in my own little bubble. I'm the focus. It's just me, myself, and I, and that's an unhealthy small group. The world tells you you need to look out for number one. Hey, you need to look out for number one. Here's the problem: you were never meant to be in the number one spot. That's God's spot, and right under Him are people. Let me show you this in the Bible. We Matthew, who was a tax collector, a sinner, and who was far from God. Jesus said, "Come, follow me," and God changed his life. Matthew says t- that he recorded a lawyer tr- coming over to try and trick Jesus. How many know you can't trick Jesus? Teacher, talking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the guy only asked for one, but Jesus knew you can't divorce number one and number two, so he threw the second one in for free. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, love other people as yourself. Now, this is the first time I've ever saw this in all my study of the Bible. What's going on here? It's the same thing that took place in 1 Samuel with David and Jonathan. Jonathan said to David, I love you as myself. And Jesus comes along and reiterates the importance of covenant relationship. It's where you are loving somebody as yourself. It's covenant. Listen, you cannot have covenant relationship without this. You can't have it. Turn and tell somebody we're better together. We're better together. Come on, tell them we're better together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 is probably a great theme verse anytime we're talking about relationships because the, the writer says, Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the fool. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say that. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Two are better than one. Like, you need to be walking in relationship with people because there's going to be a time where you go through something. And if you don't have anybody there to help you go through that, he says, pity that person. Here's here's how we live life. We live life kind of like this. I have a ping pong table up here. And this is how we live life. We live our lives like this. There's nobody to love. It's no fun because we live life alone. We're isolated. We have nobody to talk to. Nobody to confide in nobody exchanged, nobody to serve, nobody to rally with. And pretty soon we turn around, we start asking ourselves some questions like, I don't understand, why do I feel like I'm not growing? Why do I feel like I'm not maturing? Why do I feel like I keep falling off? I'll tell you why, because God never intended life to be just about you. As a matter of fact, God never really intended life to be just you and him. He says, I want it to be love God and love people. Come on, I like preaching with a paddle today. Life gets so much better when you can involve other people. Would you agree with that? Hey, Noah, jump on stage with me. Give it up for Noah Ross, ladies and gentlemen. Wearing the same outfit. We called each other. We're in a boy band. Here's what happens when you, when you live life with other people. You now have somebody to love. You have somebody to talk to somebody to pray with, somebody to laugh with, somebody to encourage you, pretty soon I'm blessing him. He's blessing me. And I'm challenging him. He's challenging me. And eventually these other people will make you better. (laughs) Give it up for Noah, everybody. (laughs) Many of us do life alone, and we're like, we're just I'm, just, I'm hitting things, but it's, nothing's coming back to me. And you live so lonely, so isolated, so self-focused. That was never God's plan, never God's intention. God's intention was that you do life together in covenant relationships. Now, we all have relationships, but write this down. This is important. you got to choose the right ones because show me your friends, and I will show you who you are becoming. Show me your friends. I'll show you who you're becoming. Students, you need to pay attention to this. You walk onto a campus. You need to choose your friends carefully. College students, adults, we all have to be very careful. And it doesn't mean that you never befriend people who don't know God and are far away. Man, we love everybody. We love them. But your closest friends ought to be people who are going the same way as you because influence is a big deal. No wonder 1 Corinthians tells us, look in your notes, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Why did he say don't be misled? Because we're often misled she seems really nice. She's horrible. She's a horrible influence. <laughs> how many of you had the Eddie Haskell's like friends? They were so bad. And then they came to talk to your parents and they would just like, Eddie, hey, how are you, Mr. and Mrs.? This is, everything's great. I'm just such a good kid. I'm a good influence on your kid. And they'd walk out the door and just rrr, rrr, vomit all over the place. It's easy to fool parents, children, students, you need to take responsibility for the relationships in your life. Can I hear an amen from everybody? Don't be misled. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says, "Righteous, The righteous choose their friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. Because the way of the wicked leads them astray. How many have ever had a friend like that? They were doing pretty good until they started hanging around the wrong crowd, and they went sideways. We all know that some of it was us. You need some covenant relationships cuz here's what they do. Covenant relationships, godly relationships will bring you, write this down, encouragement. You need some encouragement in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 says, "Therefore encourage one another and build each other up." This is what we're called to. So this week, here's your assignment. I want you to I want you to figure out ways to be an encouragement to somebody else through a text. I send text messages on Sundays to certain pastors around the country. I got, I got a two texts this morning from pastors saying, hey, I'm praying for you. And I text some others, hey, I'm praying for you. It's encouragement. It's something simple, but it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a card. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a phone call. I don't know. But what if we went on a mission to try and encourage people way more than we are, we, we, we are currently? Here's what they do. Covenant relationships will encourage you. Number two, they stretch you. Covenant relationships stretch you how many know you need to stretch before you lift something? Anytime you go to the gym, some people that just start off going to the gym, they'll start lifting weights and lift too much too soon, and they're lifting a lot, but they haven't stretched, and they pull something. Listen, you need to stretch. You need to be stretched before you lift what you're trying to carry in life, and and really, Hebrews chapter 10 is a great verse. Let us consider, like, think about How we can spur one another on, stretch each other towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Like some people have said, I don't have time. I'm just too busy. Listen, all those excuses at the end of our life are invalid. God has called us to do life together. And we've got to make time for what's most important. Our relationship with God, our relationship with people. He said, and don't do that. Don't, Don't make excuses why to give up meeting together. But encourage one another. How many know when you go to the gym, like when I go to the gym, I go to the gym a lot. I, I know you can tell. And no, I'm just kidding. I just started back after the fast. I lost like 15 pounds. So all the weights seem heavier. It, they changed them out on me. I'm not sure what they did. <clears throat> there, there's wrong numbers on there now. So I'm there. If I go by myself, I'm cutting corners all day long. I'll, in like t- instead of 10 reps, I'm doing six. Instead of three sets, I'm doing two. I'm just like, you know what? I feel like that was good enough. When you go with somebody else, like a friend with you, they, they push you further than you thought you can go because they know you ha- they, they have it in you. A lot of us have missed out on accomplishing so much because you do not have the covenant friendships to encourage and stretch you to the capacity that God is calling you to. We need this, ladies and gentlemen. We need this encourage, stretch, write this down. They also help and lift you up. They help you, they lift you up. Ecclesiastes 4.9 again. This is a great verse that we talk about a lot when we talk about relationships, that two are better than one. If any of them falls, the one can help the other up, but pity the person who falls down and has nobody to help them up. Only two positions are available in life, really. Like either you're being lifted up or somebody else is needing that and you're lifting them up. Don't sit on the sidelines and just watch. You need some exercise. There are going to be millions of people, thousands of people in the stands today watching the Super Bowl. Thousands upon thousands of fans desperately in need of exercise. Watching two guy, 22 guys on a field desperately in need of a rest. And that's, how, that's how a lot of churches are. A lot of people watching on the sidelines. Listen, the only way you can get in shape is by exercise. you got to do something. You need some people to lift you up. You need to lift somebody else up. You need to encourage. You need somebody to stretch you. Come on. Am I preaching better than you're saying amen? Get there to the place where you are in covenant relationships with people. It's deep. It's a deep bond there. Life becomes fun when you have covenant relationships because I feel safe. I feel like there's a genuine concern. And James 5, 16 says, confess your sin and your faults one to another. Pray for each other and you will be, shout the word out, you'll be healed. You want healing? That comes this way. And some of us, listen, God needs to be first. That's your vertical relationship. But then your horizontal relationships need to be healthy. And he, put, he established something in place called relationships. There's healing that takes place. There's a bond because our hearts have been knit together in Jesus Christ. I love it. I love it. I love it. Covenant relationships. And it's funny when guys have covenant relationships because we love deeply, but we stink at sharing emotion. So guys try to share emotion. We're like, dude, dude bro, mm. Let me interpret what man language, what he meant to say. Here's what he was communicating in all that. He was saying, My dear friend, I am deeply grateful for your friendship, your loyalty, and I respect you. And I thank God for the bond that we have. I love you. That's what he said. That's what he said. Come on, where are my fellas at? We don't have to sound all girly. We don't have to sit across a little circular table at a coffee shop and tell each other for an hour. We just do what? (laughs) In that, we said a lot. (laughs) Covenant relationships. I'm better because of the covenant relationships I have. I'm, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better leader. I'm bolder than I was 14 years ago because of covenant relationships. Why? Because I know they got my back. You never talk smack to the bully in elementary school when you were alone. But when you had your boys with you, it was like, you have something to say? Say it again. You know, you had all this boldness because your boys are with you. Listen, the devil loves to attack people in isolation because you're an easy target. And he's trying to put depression on you. He's trying to put hopelessness on you, fear and anxiety, all this hopelessness, all this stuff. And you've been standing there taking it, not saying a word. You need some friends in your life who will say, oh, heck no, you will not talk to my friend like that. Do not listen to fear. Do not listen to depression. God loves you. He has a plan for you. I love you. Come on. You need some friends that'll fight for you. You need some friends that'll pray for you in the time of trouble and lift you up. We need that covenant relationships. We need that. Jonathan had that with David, but he also had that with somebody else, his armor bearer. Let me explain this, the context of the story before we read the passage in the Bible. Jonathan is there, and the Philistines are the sworn enemies of God's people, the Israelites. They're trying to take over Israel. The Israelites—they're trying to take. Like, they want to. They want to do away with them, kill them, and take the rest as slaves. And Jonathan and his boy crawl up a mountain one day to, like, the military barracks, uh, a spot where the Philistines had set up. And they look over, and Jonathan's like, I think we could take them. There's two of them. I think we got this. And his friend was like, me too. That's the text. Look at it. 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those Philistines. Perhaps, I say Perhaps. The Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. Jonathan knew. If there's a couple people or a lot, it doesn't matter. It's, he's God. He, he's God over it all. And here's the response of his, his friend. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Oh, you got to love that. Anybody got any crazy friends like that? Like just willing to go out there all the time? Now, here's the crazy part. Jonathan did not say to his friend, hey, I prayed last night. God showed up. He told me he's going to give us the victory, like guaranteed. He didn't say that. He said, perhaps God will show up. We don't know. He might show up. He might not. <laughs> you down? <laughs> like that, that was him. I'm not sure. He might show up. Let's just try. That's what he said. Let's just try. Let's try this let's try to start a church. Let's try to start a small group. Let's try to start this business idea. Let's try to go to the Bible college that the church is starting here. Let's try. Let's just try. We don't know if it's going to work. Let's try though. And what's even greater was his friend's response. His friend's response was like, I'm down. I'm do all that's in your heart. I'm with you heart and soul. He's like, I'm it's right or die with me you need, he's talking about covenant relationships where, watch this, he says, I'm called to you. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life that you could say that about? I am called to you. Do whatever you wanna do. I'm with you. I'm down. Let's ride. Let's do this. I'm with you. You need some covenant relationships like that where you're saying, I'm not just in this for me. I'm not just here as long as it's good for me. I'm not trying to see what I can benefit out of this. I'm called to you. This is covenant, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about Proverbs 17, 17 type stuff where a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Do you know that some of you have been born to help other people through their hardships? Some of your friends have been born to help you through yours. You were born for such a time as this. I'm here for you. You're here for me. Who wants some friends like that? It's a couple of you. So, how do we get these friends? Let me give you three points. Number one, number one, sow what you want. Sow what you want. Now, this is not so like, so what you want. <laughs> it's not, so what you what you want, it's not that either. So SOW means you're it's like a farmer sowing a seed. You're planting a seed, you're investing. Let me say it another way: be what you want. Be what you want. Now, let me explain that. I'm not saying be whatever you want. I'm saying be the kind of friend that you'd want somebody to be to you. Sow into that. Sow seeds of that. Invest in that into somebody else. Be that for somebody else because too often our focus is focused on how can this benefit me. When Luke 6.31 says, do to others what you would have them do to you. You want encouragement? Be an encourager. You want somebody to be there for you? Be there for somebody else. Be the type of friend that you would love to have someday. Because sometimes we sit home complaining, I don't have the close friends. I don't have the ones I want. Here's the problem. Proverbs 18:24 says, a man who has friends must first show himself friendly. You want all that You want everybody to do that to you, and you're not doing that to anybody else? Turn around and ask God this question this year. How can I show myself more friendly? How am I doing at showing myself friendly to people? You want friends? Be one. You want to be encouraged? Encourage somebody else. Commit to being a better friend because everybody loves an encourager. Nobody likes a complainer. So encourage and don't complain. Be that to somebody else. Encourage them. Text them. Everything that you want people to do to you, do that to them, and you watch as God shows up and provides covenant relationships. You'd agree with this statement that generous people make the world better. Greedy people make the world worse. Yes or no? Well, let's just commit to being generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your words, your encouragement. Be that. Sow into that what you want back in return. Number two, be willing to try. Be willing to try. Be willing to try. You need a place where this can happen. Now look at me. I know a lot of us have been burned. You've been burned in relationship, but it's still worth the risk. To see what God has, it's worth the risk. You said, I've been burned. Listen, I have been burned too. What if I stopped pastoring because I've been burned too many times? Where would this church be? Where would you be? What if you stopped just because and you didn't lead a small group because you've been burned before, or you didn't trust because you've been burned before? What a great trick of the enemy to get you to stop in life, stop growing, stop investing in people, stop making a difference because you were hurt. Don't let that hurt keep you and be a roadblock any longer plow through that thing and trust God for healing and new relationships I know there's a lot of you that come down for prayer because you've been hurt they you come down to prayer lines in the church hey somebody hurt me yes but you have to also understand there are other people who go to other churches who are going to prayer lines because of what you did to them it goes both ways so we've got to come back to a place where we realize that and say it's worth the risk. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says it this way. As iron sharpens iron, one man will sharpen another. You want to get sharper? It doesn't happen by yourself. There's got to be, there's got to be relationship. And the primary tool that God uses is people. He uses that to shape you. And Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend will stab you in the front. They won't talk about you behind your back. They'll tell it to your face. Hey, I love you, but you have a boogie in your nose. You know what I'm saying? That's covenant relationship. I love you, but you need to stop talking that way. Stop treating your wife like that. If you don't have anybody in your life that can call you to the mat, you're in trouble. You don't want everybody to be yes yes men to you. You need a couple people in your life that can bring you down and say, listen, I know who you really are, and I'm trying to encourage you, stop, don't go that route, stop doing this, and start doing this, I'm here for you, I love you, I'm not going anywhere, I love you. We need this, it's covenant. You need a place to try this though, because our entire world is looking for this in wrong places. They're going to the bar, they're going to the club, and they're trying to find what God put inside of us. He put a desperate need inside of us for covenant relationship, but you can't find it in the wrong places. So we need this. Where do we live? Where do we find it? I'll tell you where. Jesus started the church. And in church in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we see that God instituted small groups. Small groups are where relationships take place. Sundays are great because you come, but you sit theater style, you listen to the talking head for 35 minutes, and then you leave. You can come in and out and never know a soul. But when you get involved in a small group, you build relationships, and I pray covenant relationships that will last a lifetime. You got to try this out. So today, we just started our small groups. What are those? Small groups are groups that are small that meet throughout the week, one time a week for 13 weeks. And there's everything from Bible study to interest groups. I think there's basketball groups and everything in between. Whatever day, whatever time, whatever schedule, whatever liking, you get together. And the purpose, the sole purpose is to build relationships. You have to build them. They don't just happen. Relationships take time, investment, and they take money. All the guys say amen. We'll talk about marriage in a couple of weeks. You cannot have a, you cannot invest in that marriage without money. All the ladies say amen. Covenant relationships. Covenant where, where you're offering grace to them because there'll be times when they mess up. But guess what? There'll also be times when you mess up. Covenant means I'm dedicated. I'm not going anywhere. This is Covenant. I want to know you for the rest of my life. I want to do life with you for the rest of my life. That's covenant. All right? this third point down, put Jesus first in your relationships. Put Jesus first. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and I don't want it to be confusing. I probably could give a lot more time than I will address uh, this verse. I can give a lo- lot more time to it, but I want you to understand that the Bible separated into two two sections. The first is the Old Covenant, and then there's the New Covenant. So it's kind of split down the middle. We call it the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus, He entered into covenant with us. He showed us what covenant looks like. And in the Old Testament, God said, hey, I want you to do something for me. Uh, I want to show you the need that you have for me. So whenever we sinned in the Old Testament, before Jesus came to the planet, he says, You'd have to sacrifice an animal, which I'm really glad I was not a priest back in the Old Testament because I don't like blood. And I couldn't do it. The offering sacrifice is like vomiting everywhere. So he, he said, Sacrifice the blood of an animal. That'll cover your sin for a while. When Jesus came, John the Baptist was baptizing and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was, it was God, it was a symbol. It's all it was. It was a symbol showing that Jesus Christ was. Will once and for all do what the old covenant could not do. Here it is in Hebrews nine thirteen: the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer, it's a cow, sprinkled on the, those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. So that was that was a way that they could do that. Verse fourteen: How much more then will the blood of Christ, it's Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience? From acts that lead to death. How many are glad that Jesus forgives and cleanses our sin and our conscience? So that we may serve the living God. That's the purpose. That's the reason. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new, say this word out loud, covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. That that now we can have eternal life in Jesus. And now that he has died as a ransom to, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant god has done something to make it possible for us to be right with god he showed us what covenant looks like he showed us what relationship looks like and i'm so grateful to god because when you look at his covenant with you it's unconditional it was sacrificial he laid his life down for you when trouble came he didn't run like me with my friend in the rottweiler Jesus doesn't run away from pain, he runs to it. He doesn't run away from sin, he runs to it. No matter where you are, Jesus Christ loves you. He has been here the entire time. Even when you didn't have a mind for him, he was still here. Even when you you thought you didn't believe in God, he was still here. Even when you thought that there's no way that you'd ever give your life to Jesus, Jesus has patiently been waiting in line. For the moment where your eyes are open to realize that he is truly the way, the truth, and the life, and the Savior of the world. And he has loved you to the depths. He's made covenant with us. At the end of our life, all we have are the lives we've changed and the people that we've done that with. And obviously, all of this is to please and honor Jesus who showed us what covenant looks like. I'm praying that today, God would help us move to the next step to entering into covenant relationships with other people so we can fulfill the call of God on our life. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe that, let's put our hands together and say a good amen. amen. Covenant relationships. Covenant. With your head's bowed and your eyes closed all over the room. Maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, Jesus is not first in my life. If I were honest, he's not first. I've never given the controls of my life to him. Maybe you were once close to God, but you've drifted away. You've strayed. You say, Sean, what do I do? I'm so glad you're here, first of all. Second of all, I want to let you know again how much Jesus loves you. He loves you with an undying love. Nothing can ever change that. Today, maybe you're here and you need to give the controls of your life to him. Or maybe you need to renew your commitment to him. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer that you can pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. Our heart's not to embarrass you. It's to connect you to Jesus. And if you're here and you say, Sean, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Put him first. Reorder some things where he's first place. Or maybe I need to come back and rededicate my life to God. If That's you on the count of three. You say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it. Could you just lift your hand up right where you are? Come on. All over this room. In the family worship room. The alternative seating on the count of three. One two, three. Just lift it up right where you are. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let's clap our hands. Lots of hands. Every hand represents a soul today. Our heart is for you. God's heart is for you. Allow me to pray this prayer. and Let's pray it out loud in unison. Say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me today right where I am. Today I give my life to you and I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Wash me clean and I will be clean. Be my Lord and Savior and from this day forward I follow you. Could you just put your hand on your chest, your heart just say God could you take all of my gifts now and use them to reach others with your love. Help me to find covenant relationships. In Jesus' name. Somebody say good amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for those that prayed that prayer. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's clap our hands and thank God.